Radio. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the earth has to offer. Your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason, each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides. So, get ready to learn about natural nutrition, preventative pet health, and more with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Hello, everyone. I'm Kim Bloomer, one of your hosts. And I'm Jeannie Thomason, the other host. And today we're going to be talking about a veterinarian's journey. And we love having Dr. Basham on our show, don't we? He's been our guest a couple of times, and I assure our audience that he will continue to be a repeat guest. There are certain people that Jeannie and I just feel have way too much to share in such a great and positive way that they can't be contained in just one show. (laughs) So we are going to hear from one of our radio partners, and, and when we come back, we will introduce you to Dr. We'll reintroduce you to Dr. Basham and uh, get into this topic of today. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally. We'll be right back. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. And who's this traveling with us today? This is Bailey. She's never flown Midwest Airlines before. Hi, Bailey. (coughs) She'll be fine. We take special care of our traveling pets. In fact, our premier pet program was created by an employee and dog lover who believes that pets should be handled as precious cargo. And they are. Oh, and they earn travel rewards, too. Oh, good. Thanks for flying Midwest Airlines, Bailey. Enjoy your flight. Visit MidwestAirlines.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Today we are going to be speaking with our friend, Dr. Hugh Basham, and I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of an overview about him in case this is the first time you're ever listening to him on our show. Dr. Hugh Basham graduated from Auburn University as a veterinarian in 1963. He spent four years in the U.S. Army uh, Veterinary Corps, and three of those years were in Europe in Germany. He was an instructor at the University of Georgia School of Veterinary Medicine for one and a half years, and then he joined his father and later his brother in a mixed animal practice in rural South Georgia. And he now works as a veterinarian with the Georgia Department of Agriculture. So, Dr. Basham, it is wonderful to have you back with us. Welcome. Thank you very much. You always make me feel welcome, and you have made me feel welcome one more time, and I do thank you for it. Uh-huh. And listen listen to that wonderful southern gentleman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but don't listen too closely. <laughs> Well, Dr. Basham, you have been uh, a veterinarian for a long time, and I think what our audience is really hoping, and I know Jeannie and I are hoping to listen to this journey, and I think it's fascinating cause you, because you and I have talked um, at different times um, by phone and corresponded by email, and we've talked about how when you went to veterinary school, probably I would think because of the way you were raised, some of the things just didn't stick right with you, and I think that's a good place for us to start. Well, Kim, as I thought about this program and, and a good place to start, I'm going to start at the very beginning. That's good. even better. <laughs> when I was five months old, my father graduated as a veterinarian from Auburn. Hmm. Wow. He went to school when I was five months old, graduated when I was three years old, went to school year-round, so I, I went out into the veterinary world when I was three years of age. Hmm. Now, Amazing. And as, as I have thought about this, even at probably three or four or five, I was helping in his veterinary hospital, and I was helping by feeding the dogs. Hmm. You know, I was four years old. I could barely walk good, and he would put <laughs> a pan of dog food in my hand and said, come on and follow me. We've got to feed the dogs. Hmm. And so from a very early age, I was conscious of feeding dogs, how they ate, how much they ate, if they ate at all, and so forth. And my father would often say, well, did the dog in the third pen eat? Or or what about that pointer down there? How did it eat today? And so it was almost drilled into me, if you would, to be conscious of how animals were eating. And Mm. I was able somehow to equate health and appetite at the age of four or five years of age. And that stuck with me. It made an impression that, that I never, never quite got away from. Do you think that, I mean, I honestly believe that children are little sponges. And teaching our children that kind of responsibility very young, which is what they did back in our day, right. <laughs> in your day, uh, was, was just part of learning to grow up in the world and survive in the world. And, of course, animals have always been very integrated into human life. And the responsibility, I, I don't, I, it sounds like to me that your responsibility was similar to what my parents often taught me was, and, and it's funny because the trainers will tell you now, never feed your dog before you eat because they need to learn their alpha position. I was always taught animals got fed first and then we ate. <laughs> Well, uh, the animals took a big part in, in my early life. It really did. And often, and all of this is a ground, was laying a groundwork for me that I didn't even realize it was doing, but that foundation was laid at that early age, and, and now looking back, I have continued to build on it. 
Mm-hmm. But but often, if an animal was was not eating, uh, my father would say, "Well, go over and see what your mother's fixing for dinner." It was about fifty feet to the house, and I would go over and get a piece of chicken or get a piece of whatever she was cooking, and I would bring it back to the animals. Invariably, they would eat that food. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. preferred that food over their store-bought food. Interesting. So again, it impressed upon me at an early age, well, if they don't eat this, look around, maybe they want something else. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not always their appetite, maybe it's the food that we're feeding. You know, and that is real insightful and something that you were able to observe firsthand. I find that that kind of experience in training supersedes often our book learning. Right, experience. Well, I- we don't want to get too far away from our subject, but I was just reading the other day that there's a man who happened to be a German. Uh, he was trained as a mechanic, not as an engineer as such, but as a mechanic working on cars. And later, when jet engines came in, he was one of the pioneers in developing jet engines. Hmm. He said, even in engineering, even in jet engine uh, manufacturing, that art... And a feel for things was more important than the than the engineering and the mechanics per se. I am so glad to hear you say that because that goes right to the crux of the heart of what Jeannie and I are working toward um, uh, moving animal talk naturally. You know how in the Bible we talk about first receiving milk and then we graduate to meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And that's how we feel that we're going and that that right there is exactly what we're talking about Dr. Basham well, going by I, I have a whole lot of trouble explaining myself so how do you explain music for example right you know how do you explain art well you don't know how to explain it it's just kind of there somehow and yeah. somehow it surfaces mm-hmm. it's an experience it's a gut instinct it's, yes. I really do think it goes back to who we originally were as 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 um God's creation and I think that we have kind of inundated ourselves with so much distraction absolutely. that we've lost touch with nature yeah absolutely and you know you almost feel guilty if you rely on your feelings for example you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to get the documentation to verify that right. <laughs> you mean the scientific proof <laughs> yes but anyway, I don't want to delay ourselves too much. I want to keep this thing moving along if we can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, and so you grew up with, and not, obviously not just a care and concern for nutrition for animals, but apparently for the animals themselves in order to even want to go in, you know, to follow your father's footsteps in becoming a veterinarian also, right? That Well, that's true. And people would often ask me when I was 10 or 12 or 14 or so, you know, are you going to be a veterinarian like your father? And I never did make a conscious decision. I just sort of gently moved in that direction without it's, any, you know, sitting down one day and said, well, this is what I'm going to do. Hmm. And I look back and I reflect on these things, and did I make the right decision, which I didn't hmm. really make the decision. It was made somehow for me. <laughs> and, and I have no regrets. I'm very pleased to have to have come this far and experienced the things I've experienced. And the question I keep asking myself is, now what? Now what hmm. And this June the 4th, I will have been out of school 45 years, mm-hmm. which seems impossible to me. Like that. That's a lot of experience, and there's got to be some way of funneling that in a direction. 
and being sure that I get something out of it. You know, Moses spent 40 years in the desert. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was worth it. So, so right. I hope my time, my 45 years, will have somehow been worth it. I honestly feel that your 45 years, because you've, you've told me this, that your 45 years as a veterinarian was quite different than maybe a you know, a friend of yours, uh, where he really bought into maybe the whole scientific approach, but you're, you always allowed your instincts to remain. Well, I did, and as I said a minute ago, I almost felt guilty. You know, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed mm. to, this is the way they're taught you to do it. This is the way you're supposed to do it. But way down deep inside, and you know, you all both know that this is hard to explain, mm-hmm. just had a feeling over all these years that something was wrong, something's missing. And I didn't know what it was. I was going along doing the right things, but I wasn't really comfortable deep inside. I kept thinking, well, there's more to it. You know, this, this, I'm missing something somewhere. Did you ever feel, Dr. Basham, that, you know, even with all your training, and you guys and veterinarians re- pre- receive very intense training, just like a medical, a human medical doctor, only I feel you, you actually receive more because you, you study more species. And so it, it's very intense training, and but at some point, as you were learning all of that, I wonder that you're you weren't going back to what you had felt instinctively growing up, and wondering if that was an indirect contrast to what you had experienced versus what you were being trained to do, well, and not seeing the animals healthy. It was, and and I don't want to discount my training. I'm very thankful for it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that came out of my training was inspiration. Mm. Somehow my professors, and I don't know how they did this, somehow when they released me as a veterinarian and said, here's your diploma, I felt like that was truly a commencement exercise. I was starting, and I was starting this this adventure to learn whatever was out there. In other words, it was not the end of my training. It no. was the beginning of my training. Right. It was the beginning of your training. And and, uh, to, and I think that, and I'm hoping, uh, maybe there is a shift happening now that more, that maybe some of the younger ones, I don't know. I mean, I can't say this because I'm not a veterinarian, but just looking at, um, we had guests yesterday that were talking about how more young people are looking towards the whole big picture of animal health than maybe they have in quite a long time. We've become to rely so much on science, we've kind of lost touch with the bedside manner. <laughs> well, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I look back at my father as an example. You know, he would go out to see a cow for somebody at, we'll say, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he'd stand around and shoot basketball in the backyard, have <laughs> supper with the people, and get home at 9 o'clock. Uh, who ever heard of Time efficiency, time management. Yeah, right. But he was endeared and reverend by the people because of his personal touch. It was a personal touch, and I really think that that we will see more healing with that personal touch, Dr. Basham, because it's real care and concern for the animals. And I see all of us in um, the, the whole picture, you know, with veterinarians and Nature has and all of us working together for the greater good, for the for the for the better health for the animals, and and I mean health, not m- disease management. And I think that that's partly what we see. A lot of people are frustrated because they're it's disease management, and also a lot of veterinarians, or I would say many anyway, are are doing like you and furthering their education simply because they desire to see health and not illness. Well, I got so tired of, of disease, I didn't know what to do. 
there was a there was a line in in Mash, and I I can't repeat what he said over over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Hawkeye, you all remember him? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Hawkeye was was frustrated in surgery one evening, and he was so upset and so so concerned and so mad, and he said, "Don't let the win." Mm. Somebody said, "What's mm. he talking about?" Mm-hmm. He, he's talking about death. Yeah. Don't, don't let it win. Right. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. Don't let disease win. It's not supposed to win. No. Supposed, health is supposed to win. Mm-hmm. It is. And if the body is is supported, if the body is supported, because it's the body that heals. And, of course, you know, the three of us know that God heals. and But the body, he created it so that the body would be able to heal itself recognize any illnesses or viruses or bacteria and be able to defend itself. Uh, but we try to suppress everything. Well, what you just said is a powerful, powerful statement. Powerful statement. Would you elaborate? Because I'm sitting clueless. <laughs> Maybe that's good. <laughs> well, uh, you know, you have to have tools if you're going to build a house, for example. Mm-hmm. The body has to have tools if it's going to build health. And the tools are basically nutrition. God's ways, God's tools, God's mm-hmm. laws that allow us to build a house and to build a body as it should be built. Mm-hmm. So we take shortcuts and try to substitute things that just doesn't work very well. And you know, Dr. Basham, as I, before I go into a consultation, I will tell people, now, I want you to understand something about natural health, which is nutrition, because Jeannie and I both focus on nutrition as do you. And we always say it is not a quick fix. This is a long-term commitment, but because nature takes a, uh, it's it's a, it's an efficient, it's um, an effective, but it is also a a uh, gentle long-term approach. When you're trying to correct an illness, yes, yes, back, you know, if you're trying to support an animal, for example, through nutrition, you know, if the veterinarian has supported it um, with the other, uh, with other, you know, medication, whatever, and we're supporting through nutrition, we want, we always, I always want to make sure that people understand. Now, tomorrow your dog won't be 100% better. Right. <laughs> it's time. It's a time investment and it's a commitment. And I think that if we are going to continue to have all this variety of animals in our homes, which we do nowadays, then part of that commitment is to understand that before we bring them home. And nutrition is the foundation, uh, which you obviously agree to. <laughs> obviously, I do. I certainly do. But uh, one of the things, being in a, in a mixed practice with large and small animals, and often working with a man that had, say, 500 cows, as opposed to somebody who has one dog. Mm-hmm. And, and man, let's say he had three sick cows. And I'd go out and I'd work with him, and I would begin to focus on nutrition. I would explain to him, now, the reason your cow is sick is for this reason. Now, we're going to have to make some changes to protect the rest of your herd. Mm, and good point. If your, you know, your animal owners have two or three pets, they can understand that. Mm-hmm. In, in human medicine, we should do the same thing. We should say, listen. Well, you know, and I, I, I don't know if you've found this, Jeannie, or Dr. Basham. I imagine you both have that. They'll say, okay, now I, you know, let's say somebody has three dogs and they're consulting with me for a dog, one dog that's had um, challenges that they're trying to get back into a homeostasis, a balance. Then, but they want to continue to do the same thing, you know, what they were doing before with the other two dogs. And I'm always confused by that. If it's work, if, you know, if, if, if nutrition is the foundation, then 
and, and these three are canines that need a certain diet to thrive, then all three of your canines, not just the one that's ailing, needs that same thing. Well, or what you're happens, gonna be Kim, unfortunately, I saw people saying, let's see, he wants me to use this dog food, he wants me to do that. Yeah, I know why he wants that, because, you know, he's selling that for $10 a bag. I bet he makes it. Right. <laughs> and what he's trying to do is get me off that other food onto his food mm-hmm. so he can make a profit. Mm-hmm. And that was frustrating. Now, this was going on 30 years ago. And so it's been going on for a long time. Yes, and it was. It didn't change overnight. And I hope you all may be able to answer this question better than I can, but I hope that's changing. I hope people... Well, I think, Dr. Basham, with the pet food recall last year, we did see a big shift. And well, I hope so. I hope so. What unfortunately did happen was, and this was interesting to me and Jeannie, was people saying... When will the food be safe? Yeah. And our response is, but it never was. That's right. <laughs> Great answer. Perfect answer. <laughs> so will there be another pet food recall? Oh, sure. There have been all along. Sure. And so until we get our minds away from these processed foods for both humans and animals, we're going to continue to see these kind of situations. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's the profit involved. And I always think that if we all could make the decision to do the right thing, we'd still have abundance. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I don't know that the human race isn't, as a whole thinks that way, Dr. Bashan. <laughs> For sure. Talking about processed foods, I had an interesting experiment that I was able to run on myself a few weeks ago. My wife went out of the country for three weeks. That put oh. me in charge of cooking. Uh-oh. And I cook. So I thought, well, this is a perfect chance for me to eat raw foods. Oh, good for you. And she comes back home, and she was a little disappointed that I looked good (laughs) (laughs) eating my own food, which was nothing but carrots and apples and, you know, those kinds of things. All the raw food. That's awesome to hear that, though. This is part of the journey that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just fascinating to me. Now, would you share with our audience, we have this, and I don't know if you, I mean, we don't need names or anything like that. I mean, because the idea is to share with people how you were thinking as as maybe somebody else who was side-by-side with you in veterinary medicine was thinking. You go in, and like I said, this is rigorous training. This is, you guys get a whole lot of information in those four years. And you came out, and you were still thinking, hmm, I'm not... Something about the nutrition isn't setting right with me, and partly because you weren't taught much in nutrition in no, school, are you? Was not. I remember vitamin A was good for the eyes, calcium good for the bones, <laughs> a certain <laughs> percentage of fat, and a certain percentage of protein, which mm-hmm. I have. But that was about it, right? That was about it, really. Mm-hmm. And okay. What happened was everybody knew it was important, but they were relying on other people, mm-hmm. feed manufacturers, uh, dog food manufacturers. To produce the food. Right. And tell us what we needed to do because they were the experts and we were not. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, so that so then that would lead me to believe then that your your training was more focused on after the animal was sick. Yes, it was. I remember thinking, you know, people go, what should I feed him? And I, I would say, feed him whatever you want to, and if he gets sick, I'll try to make him well. Hmm. You all know what what a weak a weak approach that is. Yeah, that was my. But approach. you know what, Doctor Basham? So many people tell Jeannie and I, but my vet says, right. and partly what we you know, and why we have very candid veterinarians such as yourself come and share is because we want them to understand that was not their training unless 
they furthered their education on their own initiative into nutrition. Yes, yes. Let, let me let me back up again and take take another step from the time I was five years old till I was maybe thirty five years old. Okay. But all the time I graduated and went in the army, I was not satisfied with the results I was getting. I kept thinking, you know, I spent a lifetime doing this, you know, thirty years doing this, and I'm not satisfied with my results. If I was going to invest thirty years of my life, I would like to think that I was going to succeed in in being productive and making these animals well and helping them with their health. And I wasn't satisfied. And I didn't know what else to do. You know, I wanted robust animals. I wanted bright, shiny hair coats and bright eyes and growth and so forth, vigor. And I wasn't seeing that to my satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And one day, uh, a client of mine who happened to raise cattle took a trip to Tennessee on a business trip, and he came back telling me that he had met a veterinarian up there that knew me and remembered me from school. And I said, well, who was it? And he told me this was in 1977, 31 years ago. He said, he knew you from school. And I said, well, what's his name? And he told me, and I said, well, I know him. We were not close friends, but I remember him. And because I was seeking, and you all both know that when we seek, we will find. And so... I said, well, I'll write this fellow. He said, well, do that. I said, by the way, he said he was telling me about a new product he'd been using on cows, an enzyme product. I said, well, I've never heard anything about something like that. You hadn't heard of enzymes? No, not, well, I might have heard Not the at that time. Word. Now, this, remember, this was 31 years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just heard the word, but it didn't mean anything to me. And so... I'll ask you why in a minute after your story is told why, why I asked that. <laughs> okay. okay. Anyway, I wrote the fellow... You know, I heard of you using some nutritional product. What can you tell me about it? So he wrote back, nice letter. You know, I'm using this. I'm seeing remarkable improvements. The hair coats better, and, you know, the animals grow better. And I thought, well, that's what I'm looking for. And so he told me the product was made by a company in St. Joseph, Missouri, and he gave me the name. Back in those days, I was big on investigating things as cheaply as I could and if I remember, postcards back then were 15 cents. And I remember thinking, I can investigate this idea for 15 cents. So, go to postcard to the company, you know, what can you tell me about your product? And a few days later, the phone rings, and it was a company in Missouri. They said, well, what can we tell you about this product? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I've never heard of this. And all the time I'm thinking, well, if all these enzymes and these nutrition things are so important, why didn't they teach us this in school? Hmm. And I'm telling you my thinking back then. Chances right. are there hundreds of thousands of other people that think just like this even today. So he proceeded to tell me, well, we, we feed these animals this, and we put, I think, four ounces or two ounces. We, we put it out free choice, and, and the, you know, they grow better, and the hair coats better. They have less calving problems. Uh, the cows give more milk. Uh, the cows breed back quicker. Now, this was a cattle product. Mm-hmm. breed back quicker. You know, the animals don't. You don't have to cull your herd as much because animals don't get sick and, and pneumonias are. are said, well, these are all the things I'm looking for to myself. I said that, and I said, "Well, I'm sorry." Now, I was. Uh, I didn't have a bad attitude, but I didn't have a good attitude either. <laughs> you know, I confess that. And I said, "Well, I'm sorry, sir." I said, "I don't believe what you're telling me." Oh. And and I said it very firmly. In a nice way, but a very firm way. I just don't believe what you're telling me. Because I spent 15 years looking for things that would do this, and I couldn't find them. Mm. He said, well, 
So that's what people tell us. So these are the cattlemen that have been using this product for years. I said, well, would you send me some to try? A sample. He said, sure. I said, uh, how much you want? I was thinking, you know, 15 pounds, maybe 20 pounds. He said, well, we'll send you some. We'll send you 500 pounds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that's what I said. Oh, my goodness. I said, wait a minute. Shipping from Missouri to South Georgia alone is going to cost something, mm-hmm. not to mention the product itself. So he, I, And I'm telling you this. You ought to lay this foundation, if you'll bear with me a minute, please. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, a few days later, 500 pounds of this product came. And I promised the man, I said, I will not sell any of it. I will use all of it for study and investigation. So it came, I started, I picked some key people to test it, told them a little story, see what you think. Well, the cows just gobbled it up. You know, they were supposed to eat two ounces a day. They were eating two pounds a day. Oh, no. <laughs> this is going to be so expensive that nobody can afford this. So I called the man, told him what, what was going on. He said, well, these animals are so starved nutritionally that they're, they're, they're overeating he mm-hmm. said, now, it'll take a little while for them to level off and finally eat the, the normal amount. But for right now, they're just starved nutritionally. And, and they understood the depletion in their bodies that they needed to replenish. Um, That's right. The cow understood that. The cow, but not the mm-hmm. woman. Right. The cow, no. I mean, the animals know what they need. Sure they do. We're back to where we started a few minutes ago. Yeah, we exactly. provide them with what they need. So when I provided them what was missing, they knew... To they said, this is what we've been looking for. You know what's interesting to me? And, I mean, I know when I'm studying anatomy and physiology and biology, and enzymes in, in different nutrition, it crops up as part of, you know, the function of the body. And I'm astounded that that wasn't something that was taught mm-hmm. in school for, for, for the veterinarian. And yet the, the, the ranchers and the farmers know about these things, Dr. Sure. Basham. Sure. Right. Sure. And so do the lar- you know, the breeders of, let's say that breeders who have farms of, you know, we're horses, dogs, whatever, they understand that also. And they understand even free, um, you know, there was one woman who's very famous, Jeannie, her name is uh, Juliet DeLevy. Mm-hmm. Um, Barclay. Barclay. And she understood that the way pastures used to be was that they would allow the, you know, certain flowers, weeds, whatever to grow in there because the animals knew how to self-medicate and they were healthy. Yes. And somewhere, somehow, we got so away from that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think big business helped us to get away from it. Yeah, it Without did. a doubt. And uh, that bothers me, too. I think they did more than help. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they created they had, the problem. <laughs> they sent us on a jet engine in that direction, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's interesting that we are now, and, and we were talking with... Um, the animal acupressure therapist yesterday, Amy Snow, Nancy Zadonis, and and I said, you know, our ancestors might look at us and go, duh, hello, <laughs> what are you guys doing? And as we begin, and, and the way, what was it, Nancy said, or Amy said, we teach the obvious and get paid to teach the obvious. Yes, they almost feel guilty because of what they're teaching them, teaching you know. the it, obvious. And getting paid for is, is the obvious. <laughs> Just well, common sense. <laughs> invariably, when I go into this great big speech with somebody, I get through and say, well, it's just common sense. Yeah. You know? And I feel embarrassed that here we are in this scientific world mm-hmm. things that are just so basic and so simple. Right. But that's why, Dr. Basham, because we have allowed science, we have allowed it to be everything must be proven through science, and we have foregone common sense and our natural human instincts that... 
God ingrained into us when we were, you know, I mean, he gave it to us. One of the things that I've enjoyed doing lately is talking to, and I say this respectfully, uneducated people. Mm. For all I can learn from them. Oh, no. <laughs> they, they don't know all this stuff that we're talking about. They just sit, there, sit back and scratch their head a little bit and say, well, you know, I believe this is the way it ought to be done. Uh, well, and you know, they're, they're, they're right. They they are absolutely right. And I, I think, and Jeannie and I were talking about this earlier today, we grew up, Jeannie grew up around uh, farm animals, right? Didn't you, Jeannie? Uh-huh, yeah. My grandfather had a ranch. So, and, and my dad's family were all uh, farm farm people. And so we grew up with these things that were just, Part of like you did, Doctor Basham. That's you grew right. up in, in the veterinary clinic. We grew up just seeing these things as an everyday, natural course of things. And so, for Jeannie and I, we sit back and scratch our heads and go, "We don't know why people don't get it." No, no. <laughs> I was having a discussion with a woman at a luncheon I went to Monday, and I was explaining to her because she's looking for a puppy for her son and uh, a dog, not necessarily a puppy, um, because at three years old she promised him he could have a dog when he was seven, and he's about to finish second grade now, and he's holding her to it. <laughs> and so we were having this discussion and I said, understand that I won't be sharing, what I will share with you will be foreign to you and that you will need to unlearn everything that you mm-hmm. thought was the correct. Yeah. Because we go back to what God provide, provided us in nature. And as I started to share with her, she started looking at me like I was from another planet and it astounded me sure. that what I was saying are basic truths mm-hmm. that the, the average everyday mm-hmm. person doesn't get. Nope. It's just they don't. And you were talking with us um, last time on our show about how you make fresh orange juice from what? Oranges, <laughs> real oranges <laughs> off a tree, off a tree. You ever heard of such a radical idea? I know. Wow. <laughs> or actually getting eggs from a hen, from a chicken. You know, I mean, the <laughs> going out to the barn and picking up the chicken and getting the egg. <laughs> You know, they don't actually come in a carton at a supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how many children, you know, don't know where these things come from. All they've known is mom pulls, you know, a carton of orange juice out of the fridge and a carton of eggs, and, and that's where these come from. They haven't a clue. Well, that's up to us to help as best we can to inform people of these things. That's right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper here with Dr. Hugh Basham, but we'll be right back after a word from our radio partners. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally. Pet Talk Naturally. We'll be right back. There's nothing like a shaggy dog, baby. They're shagatelic. And this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh, yeah. So stop by our pad every week and get switched on, baby. Switched on to the show that's all about attitude. Oh, behave. With your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. Ready to take a walk? Not just you, but your whole family. It's the 2008 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 8th from 9 to 4 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. 
Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk 2008, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Hello, I'm Kim Bloomer, uh, together with Jeannie Thomason, and we are speaking with Dr. Hugh Basham of Veterinarian's Journey. And what a journey it's been, Dr. Basham. (laughs) Well, it's not over. <laughs> no, it's not over. And in fact, we hope that our journey is not over until we are back home. <laughs> Amen. And you know the, the the interesting part for us is, and I really do believe that God has orchestrated this because you know Jeannie and I have dedicated this show as a mission for Him, and we just feel that He continues to orchestrate. And what He keeps bringing us all back to, as we sit here talking, is. The nature of things. Mm-hmm. The nature of things. The nature of things. Because we have so removed ourselves from nature. Even people who think that they're in love with nature, really, I mean, we just, we hear things all the time. Jeannie and I, for example. I'm glad you, I hope you're bringing up what I'm thinking because it's been bugging me now. A couple of things that I'm going to bring up. Okay. One was that only dogs and cats chose to live with us. All the other animals have never chosen to be around us. <laughs> I've got news for you. What do they know that we don't know? Right. right. None of them have chosen to be. I mean, dogs are probably the only creature that has kind of chosen to blend into our lives. All the others have been brought into our lives, and they are gifted. They're a gift. And we have a responsibility to get back to basics with them, for them if we're going to have them as an intricate part of our homes and our lives. Secondly, there was another thing that we heard recently, um, and Dr. Basham, this completely blows mine and Jeannie's mind. Oh, <laughs> not only blows it, it angers it. <laughs> yeah, and this, and here's the thing. Um, the zoos now are deciding that animals really, you know, because they're being fed, they're not foraging or hunting. Obviously, they're not in a situation where they have to, so they're getting overweight. So this is what they have come up with. Okay, they do put food in different areas around their habitats so that they can hunt it, look for it. 
um, and some zoos are doing a wonderful job. For example, if there is roadkill deer or so forth, uh, they've worked out with the city to pick up the roadkill and feed it to their carnivorous um, animals like lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But, um, but there's one zoo that thought they were doing a fantastic thing because they were, had been giving molasses, I think, to their bears, polar bears and their bears, and the bears were getting obese, you know, as a treat for them. So instead of that treat, they decided they were going to start feeding them sugar-free Jello. Mm, polar bear. Sugar-free Two polar bear. bears. I think that's something they find in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they must find it somewhere out there. Hanging off a tree or something, I don't know. <sighs> but Dr. Basham, what astounded us was, why would, with a veterinary staff, that be so? Why that. would that be allowed? Because, first of all, the sugar-free has aspartate, which is known to be an excitotoxin. Sure, sure. Dr. Blaylock is teaching about this. He's an MD. And so we're going to put this into a wild animal who could definitely have aggressive problems and other problems besides health problems down the road. Well, y'all, it just didn't make sense to us. The only way I can explain that is to say somehow our thinking has drifted off in a direction that's wrong and it <laughs> kind of perpetuates itself and grows. The wrong kind of thinking continues to grow. Well, I shared that with another friend of ours, and uh, who you know is Dr. Um, Hubbard, and he said, when did we lose education in this country? Where did it all go? Where was I when that happened? I don't know. And that's what, that's what I could not believe, that they honestly thought that was such a great thing to, to share with a reporter to put on a news item uh, article. Well, the average person would probably pick up on that and say, hey, that's a pretty good idea. And yeah. Well, they might start eating sugar-free jello and lose weight. Yeah, it's a natural sweet treat, isn't it? No. <laughs> that is not. Honey would be far better. <laughs> Y'all, I guess what this points out is the job that lies ahead for all three of us. Right. And as a, as a whole, as a col- you know, there, there are many people that are kind of trailblazing back to nature and Hopefully, I mean, I mean, I know this is our lifelong mission, Dr. Basham, is to continually do this in a spirit of love and truth. To educate. To educate on the, on these things. And, and even get the attention of those. I mean, because I think that it's wonderful that we have these animals that we can observe and see in a setting that is similar to their natural habitat. But then we owe them the respect, and we owe God the respect to care for them appropriately. Y'all, I, I'm going to defend the, uh, the other people because I used to think like that, too. You know, yeah. it's a sort of a way. Well, what difference is it may Just feed them what you want to, and if they get sick, I'll, I'll make them well. That was my thinking. I felt like a traitor to the profession that I was, in my own words, this is a quote from me, dabbling in nutrition. And I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to know better. That's but why I, is that? I don't know. I don't know unless... We're just educated in a certain way to think that. Maybe that's our human nature coming out. Maybe. I, 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 I wonder at that because so many veterinarians that, well, Jeannie and I have the pleasure of meeting so many wonderful veterinarians. And we've also had the pleasure of not meeting some that aren't, some that aren't so wonderful. But, um, but, but the ones we meet felt just like you, Dr. Basham, that they, they weren't seeing the results from what they learned in school. So they took the initiative to think outside of the box in the bag, in the can, and and go back to something that made sense to them. And I really think that it's just it's just all of us thinking differently, thinking going back to thinking 
very basic. It's very basic thinking. I tell people all the time, if you want to know how to feed your animal, look at their teeth. Their teeth will clue you into what to feed them, right? I think we're and losing so, the sound. You remember the scripture, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yes. We have drifted away and our thinking has been formed in the wrong direction and these problems are popping up. And we yes. solve them with this current level of thinking. And so we're on this path together with people like yourself. Well, and I think it gives us hope knowing that, you know, one of my friends, a good friend of mine here in New Mexico said, well, and I'm going to give away, I, I can't give away my nickname on the show, can I, Jeannie? <laughs> <laughs> that's up to you. <laughs> she calls me Kimmer, and Jeannie calls me Kimmer, but, and that's a, that's a southern thing, Dr. Basham. My, grand, uh, my dad's family was from the south, so they, everybody has nicknames. And she said to me, you can't save the world, Kimmer, but you can make a difference. Well, you know, I realize that. What can we do? We're just one person or two people or three people in this case. Mm-hmm. But we might surprise ourselves. Right. Well, it's I don't want to like... kid ourselves, but I don't want to say, <laughs> well, throw up our hands. Well, there's nothing we can do. You know, it's just right. And exactly. I think a lot of, don't you think a lot of people might feel that so overwhelmed that they take that almost apathetic Absolutely. Viewpoint. I'm not going to make it too many. I try. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let me let me give you a quote that I came across just the other day that I like. Okay. Uh, by William Barclay, Dr. William Barclay, a mm-hmm. Scottish theologian. Yeah, I know who he is. I've yeah. Okay. He said we must not linger on the lesser things when the greater things are calling. Mm. So I think that's kind of what we're talking about. That's kind of the theme of this lesson today. Sure. Is we're not well, you know, and there, in the lesser things. We're, greater things are calling us. There are right? greater things calling. And there's a story, and I think a lot of people have heard this, about how all these starfish mm-hmm. rolled up on this beach. Mm-hmm. And this I man's about that story. Great story. I love this story. And this man's walking along, and he sees this one guy picking up, I think it was a child or another man, picking it up and throwing... The a starfish and then back another one back sea. into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he said, do you see all these starfish? You're never going to make, you, you can't possibly save them all. And he goes, made a difference for that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you Great throw sport. one back in. And that's really what we do. That's and I, uh, we had a, a guest on here, Jeannie, was it um, Pamela Picard talking about the rabies vaccine? Mm-hmm. And she says each one of us is a drip. But right. together we can make a wave which becomes mm-hmm. an ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess maybe that we're inspiring all three of us to not, not give up, not right. succumb to the system. Right. I heard a sermon the other day. The fellow was encouraging people to to uh, think outside the system. Hmm. That's know, a good way of putting it. I always say think outside the box or the bag because I'm teaching on nutrition. <laughs> but that's, that's exactly what we're talking about, Dr. Basham, thinking outside of the system. Yeah. And a system, and that includes for all, you know, I think when we're in the profession of any kind of health care for people or, or animals, that is a very, that's a real critical profession to be, have chosen. And I think we should take it more seriously, and not ourselves, but our responsibility and um, the respect that, for what God created so wonderfully and fearfully. Well, and we, we are fearfully, have, fearfully and wonderfully made, and look at what we're doing to ourselves. Right. That, that hurts me. Yeah. It hurts. It hurt, And you know what? It hurts all of us because when people are unhealthy, even just in your general vicinity around you, it kind of, if they're depressed, you know, as you said, as a man thinketh, um, we start to all walk around thinking all depressed and terrible and, and, and uh, despairing. 
um, we perpetuate that. But together, even just the three of us here sitting here and sharing with our audience, I, I suppose what we're hoping is to encourage people to, to understand that you might think you're alone, but you're not. Okay. <laughs> and you will make a difference. This anyway. show is a perfect example. Uh, I'll just say a year ago, I couldn't have imagined the opportunity to say things that were on my heart with the possibility of the country hearing it. Mm. You know, in your program, I've allowed that. And just a wow. few short months ago, you just, well, you know, you can't, nobody's going to listen to you. Well, they might not, but we're we're throwing it out there for That's right. On a big scale, not That's just, right. you know, telling your neighbor down the street somewhere, but we're, we're offering this to the country. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Dr. Basham, you make a good point, because when I started even doing um, the blogging online, my whole thought was, okay, I learned this. And I'm applying it to the health of my own dog. And I can sit back and rest upon that, or I can go out and share that knowledge with anyone who wants to listen. (laughs) Right. Right. And more are starting to want to listen. Right. And I started by blogging, and then it evolved into this with Jeannie and I meeting. And we know that was by divine providence, just as us meeting you. And together, he has his purpose for us to share these things that I know are inherent truths. Mm-hmm. And it's really basic. And I didn't say it was easy. No. I said it was basic yeah. and even simple, but not necessarily easy because we have to unlearn. And I think that's the most difficult part, is to let go of our preconceived notions. It is. It is. And then look out side of the bag, the box, and the can. And it was interesting to me. I was on a blog the other day of a, somebody who oh, Jeannie and I have had on the show with Therese Copiwoda, Gina, with mm-hmm. Pet Foods USA. And she had written about how there's the possibility, of course, for another pet food recall. She was doing right. like a year, looking back a year ago, we were going through the pet food recall. Right. And one of the people commented there, oh, my God, you mean they haven't, it, it's still a possibility? And I'm thinking... <laughs> It it was, and it is, and it will be. Always, yep. And so I went and left my comments there. (laughs) And I was gentle. Of course I was gentle because, I, you know, my granny always said you you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah. And being gentle in our approach, I think sometimes we can scare people off with um, being too intense. Well, whenever I wrote my book, and it was about 20 years ago that I said... And tell the audience, Dr. Basham, your book... Uh, the title of your book? The Search for Total Health. Okay. The Search for Total Health. Okay. And but I started to write it, and I'm sitting here saying, you know, I want to write a good book. Everybody who writes a book wants to write a good book, I'm sure. And I said, well, how do I write? What is a good book anyway? And I read somewhere, you know, I was going to give people information. I was going to write a book that was filled with information. Well, you know, that would be a mighty big book. So my somewhere I read that the best books were those who make you think. Hmm. And so it's not the one that tell you so much, ah. tell you everything, but it makes you think. Hmm. And so as we summarize our program today and say what have we accomplished in the last few minutes, if we, the three of us, do nothing but make people think, cause them to pause, think a little bit, say, I wonder... I wonder, they might just have something there. I, I think I'm going to start looking into that, you know? It's it's like um, not a provocation because that's a negative. That's right. Um, but it's an invocation. Right. To 
um, really look look deeper. I mean, what it took for me, you know, I, here I am applying natural health for myself, not in totality, but it took my dog going, um, I'm not having this. <laughs> I don't like this. So I'm not going to do it. I don't care. And, you know, not wanting to eat that. He didn't have a lack of appetite, Dr. Basham. He just had a lack of not, he had no taste for that food. Yeah, that's right. And even though he was a puppy that we had gotten as very starved and malnourished, he knew what his body needed to mm-hmm. thrive. Mm-hmm. And he resisted, even with a growling stomach, resisted yes. my attempts to say, but this is a, this is a natural holistic food. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be too holistic if it wasn't from nature. Got whole grains and you know, all that good stuff in there. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, if I can go back to to where I was a few minutes ago, the the man that was so so gentle and so kind and handled me so professionally and kindly and understood me better than I understood myself and where I was coming from. Uh, I called him one day and I said, "Listen, this this works so good." By this time, I had become a fan. You know, I was not telling him what. Things I was listening to what he had to tell me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was learning just like a little child sitting at his knee, listening to what he had to say. Started off, you know, I was telling him, and then it reversed very quickly. And I think probably because you were the veterinarian, right? <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. That's exactly right. You were the expert. You were the expert. expert. What but did he... he possibly know? You know, I right. School, and I had 15 years of experience. But it turned out he had been president of the National Cattlemen's Association. He played tackle for the University of Missouri in 1923. Oh, wow. And he was uh, just, uh, he was six foot eight or so, a cowboy hat and boots. He was a giant of a man and just a gentle giant. And, and just, you know, my heart just melts every time I think of his name mm. because Aww. he was so kind and caring and helped me along and nurtured me in these early faltering steps of mine. Mm-hmm. But I called him one day, and I said, listen, we, you know, the cows are doing great. I'm so pleased. I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's almost like a miracle. I said, have you ever used this on horses? He said, well, we've got a few people using it on horses. I said, well, how much did you use? What would you suggest? And so he told me, and I started trying it. Horses started benefiting from it. And again, this is the enzymes, right? This is the enzyme. That's right. And it's a cattle product made for cattle. Mm-hmm. And so then I called him. I said, what about hogs and what about dogs? <laughs> Every species uh-huh. that I could think of and had exposure to in the rural area, I had exposure to a lot of species, even oh. elephants when the fair came to town, the county mm-hmm. fair. And all of them did well. So On these I, enzymes? On, on the enzyme product. On the now, we, product. we would probably encourage our audience to go back and, and, and listen to the show that Dr. Basham did with us called um, Enzymes, Just Another Song and Dance. <laughs> And uh, that will be. I love that title, by the way. <laughs> I know, and you came up with that title. I thought that was great. Oh, it was awesome. But we would invite everybody to come back and listen to that show, which will be linked with this one on our main site at AnimalTalkNaturally.com next week. But he, you really elaborate on how what enzymes are. Well, let me give you all some credit for sharing a verse with me from the Book of Job, Job twelve seven. That was Jeannie. Mm-hmm. That's right, it was. And I had never seen that verse before. And that's one of my favorite verses. Isn't that right? <laughs> so all I'm saying to you all is this is what we, all of us, have learned from the animals. Yeah. It, it, and, in, and, and in that verse encourages us to continue to listen to and, and learn from them. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, in fact, I sat down the other day and wrote down all the species that I had worked with. 
and put what I had learned from each species. Just Did you? Oh, how no, wonderful. That could be a wonderful book, Dr. Bass. Yes. Well, I'm wondering if instead of books, booklets might be more useful to people. Sure. It, well, I would a, love it. <laughs> I, would, I know. I, I can't wait to hear it. They might read, read a it. booklet, whereas they might not read a book. Okay. And so it's just a thought. But but the main thing was all of these things that I had learned from the animals. And it all comes back, and it's all so simple, and it's all so basic. And, you know, here's what's interesting to me. And this thought just occurred to me just now as you were saying that. How come the animals know all this stuff and we don't? Because God put it in them and mm-hmm. we have blocked it out. And, uh, but they don't block it. Huh? They don't block it. That's they right. haven't fallen. They listen. Yeah. One of my animals, and, and I can tell you this later maybe, but a turtle, a turtle, a lady told me this long story, but a prehistoric-looking turtle like you have never seen before, it was so prehistoric-looking, would eat strawberries from her garden, mm-hmm. fertilized naturally, but it would not eat strawberries that had been fertilized with chemicals and all of this stuff. A uh, turtle. How about that? that? They, they know. knew the difference. It's, it's amazing. Well, so, my husband yeah. was watching a show about bees, and we've been hearing all this thing about bees, and we need our bees. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the things that he was saying that bees will get gone from your hive, you know, if you're if you're if from the bee, uh, what are they, the caretaker genie or what? Um, the worker bees work, yeah. With their if you're if you're if you're a uh, producer of honey and so forth. Mm-hmm. And apiary, they will get gone all of them at once if there is a virus, or that could you know wipe them out, or mm-hmm. um, pesticides. <laughs> So you use them in that area, and the next day you might not have any bees left in your <laughs> colony. Mm. So they're intelligent, uh, and they animals instinctively reject that stuff, and they know it's not right. In fact, I heard a story about horses and fluoridated water, and uh, this lady said that these horses were, I mean, you should have seen some of the things that were happening to her horses. I was shocked, mm. and they had not fluoridated the water the city had started fluoridating and these all these weird things were cropping up in the horses the horses one day she looked out her window and thought well look at that there's that big barrel of pristine water there and these horses aren't drinking the water but they're eating the snow mm-hmm. and they would not eat they would not drink the water well they got the water the fluoridation of the water overturned the whole you know because it was a horse and cattle community and they got together and they said we're not having this because we're losing animals sure and the horses still to this day are a little leery to go back and drink out of that, even though it's no longer fluoridated. Hmm. So they knew. We're back to learning from the animals again. You bet. Yep. That's, that's you bet. And unfortunately, there are going to be those who are sick and suffering as we learn. And, um, well, it takes that. You know, I mean, maybe that was their sole purpose on this earth. But I hope that we really start listening and, and paying attention again, Dr. Basham. And I know we've run down to the end of the show, so I'm going to just launch this at you because I didn't forewarn you, but you're so full of wisdom anyway. What parting words of wisdom would you like to impart upon our audience today and leave them with that thought? Well, you spring this on me all suddenly. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I didn't forewarn you. <laughs> but let me say this. To, to reassess what we're doing and reassess our thinking, you know, we know we're right. Are we really right? 
are we really feeding the best food? Are we really feeding our animals the best? Are we really taking care of ourselves the best way we should? Are we right? Or let's at least reassess it and see. If I had reassessed, in fact, I did reassess years ago, and I said, well, you know, I think we're on the wrong path. I think yeah. we should change. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can leave this thought with our listeners today. Just reassess. See if the things that we have said today don't touch your heart somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I heard, and I'll part, leave with this, that we should keep our message basic and simple and allow the Holy Spirit to empower our words. You bet. Yes. Today, that, that, we, we have kept our message simple and basic. Now our prayer will be that the Holy Spirit will empower our words. There you go. Thank you so much, Dr. Basham, for being with us and um, for sharing your words of wisdom and your insights in your journey. And um, we wish you Godspeed on your continued journey. And uh, to encourage our audience, we want you to know that Dr. Basham will be back with us in the future. <laughs> we're, we're stating that here and now without even asking him. <laughs> but he will be back with us, and we invite you to visit his website at www.totalhealthparable.com, and parable spelled P-A-R-A-B-L-E.com. And his book is there, The Search for Total Health, that you can pick up. And uh, he also has another program that we've spoken about on our two previous shows about the stool. So we encourage you to, if, if this invoked thought, then we encourage you to look at those and, um, and pick up a copy of each. Dr. Basham, thank you for being with us. And Jeannie, what do we tell our audience now? <laughs> Have a tail wagon. Hoops stomping. Wings. I'm sorry. I cut you off there. Sorry, Jeannie. Wings flapping. Hoof <laughs> stomping. And the perfectly animal talking day. Amen. God bless everyone. <laughs> Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. Pet Talk Naturally, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com Naturally